It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I'm here with Zerlina Maxwell. And we are joined right now on this Monday, November 22nd, by Frank Vogel, who is here to talk about his new book, Detailing How the West is Helping Kleptocratic Autocracies All Over the World. Frank, thank you so much for being here this morning. Good morning. It's so so good to be with you. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Absolutely. No, this is something that we don't, we just don't talk about at all. I mean, I think America, lots of Americans were rudely awakened to how close we were to autocracy within our own country. We, we don't do a great job of looking beyond our own borders to see what our effect is on the rest of the world. That's not something that historically we've, we've loved doing as an intellectual exercise. So for, for folks who have not thought a lot about autocracies elsewhere, um, would you set up the premise of your book for folks and, and why you felt like this was a story people needed to be spending more time with? I think we are living in very dangerous times. There are more countries today in the world that are run by dictators, authoritarian regimes, uh, and they are threatening world security, they're threatening democracy, and their ascendancy is happening at a time, as you know very well, when the democracies are very troubled. Mm -hmm. The flaws in the US alone are something that you know so much about. So we're talking a lot about political power in the world and the power is fed by money because what all these dictators have in common is that they steal from their people. In fact, they steal massively from their people and it feeds their sense of security, it feeds their confidence and of course it feeds their lust for greed. And All of these dictators, from Moscow to Minsk to Cairo, uh, almost you name the country, are intent on undermining public confidence in democracy in the Western world. And we have to understand that we are complicit in this, that we have ignored the dangers, and at the same time, our financial community not everybody, but many of those in the financial community are aiding and abetting absolutely massive money laundering. So one of the things that this makes me think, this conversation makes me think of, um, and Jess knows maybe what I'm going to say next, but um, my favorite (laughs) TV show, uh, my favorite TV show is a show called Mr. Robot from um, a few years ago on USA. And the reason why I bring it up is because the first line of that show is, do you ever feel like there's a secret group of men running the world? <laughs> like in a, in a room somewhere. And I know that's that's sort of an oversimplification of what's happening. But in a lot of ways, I do feel like there is a group of moneyed interests and power players who are moving pieces almost like a chessboard, like around in terms of world events, markets, um, like you said, money laundering, uh, laundering money around the world um, to facilitate 
um, their consolidation of power, um, the way they get more power, the way they keep power. And I, I feel like this didn't happen on by accident. I feel like this is something that has been building. Can you talk a bit about the forces that are both um, creating this environment where you have kleptocrats and authoritarians and rich bankers um, and, and all of these folks sort of colluding to take the power and keep it for themselves and steal wealth from the working people of the world. Um, and, and also what governments are involved in pushing this um, reality um, to the forefront because it feels it, I can feel it I can see it <laughs> I don't know if like it's the seeing the matrix but but I feel like I can see it that was another cult, pop culture reference sorry um, but I feel like I can I can see this <laughs> happening and you and you fundamentally see that it's wrong and you're like this is this is wrong the the power is being taken away from the people um, but I feel like it's very much intentional like this is by design yes um you're absolutely right. Uh, even though I have to admit, I don't know the TV show you mentioned. Oh, I think it might be very interesting for you. It to might watch. be up your alley, Frank. <laughs> but but you know, um, there there are three components, and I'll do it very fast. Number one, you said stealing from the working people of the world. You're right, but that doesn't capture how how terrible this really is when governments take money out of the national treasury and the central bank and state-owned enterprises for themselves, they reduce all kinds of public services. They don't pay the police enough. They don't pay hospital workers enough. They don't pay uh, people who provide the most basic services to the poor. So, so much of the terrible poverty in the world can be attributed in part to the corruption of the leaders of those countries. So it's a humanitarian crisis that we have. The second point, these dictators, these kleptocrats, in other words, the people who steal at the top of governments, they try to move their money out of their countries because in the event that they lose power, they know that their successors will not only go after them personally, but they'll go after their wealth. In order to move the money out of their countries, they use the bankers, the lawyers, the real estate brokers, the auditors, the financial consultants on Wall Street, uh, in the city of London, in the major financial capitals of the world. These are the people I call the enablers who take the money, move it around the world, and eventually invest it safely and secretly here in the United States and in Western Europe. And shooting right to the very end of my book, uh, when it comes to major political reforms, I want to address just the one point that you made so clearly. All of this rotten system happens because there's too much money in our politics. Mm. The influence of major financial institutions on our political system and in the political system of Western Europe is so great that it enables those financial uh, institutions to be very, very poorly regulated. And even when they are caught 
committing criminal offenses because this money laundering is criminal, they pay a fine and that's it. And they look at the fine as just the cost of doing business. If we can't reduce the political power of these major financial players in our own system, we won't be able to address the rising wealth and rising dangers uh, of autocratic governments. What kind of levers do we need to pull in order to do that? It, it, it sounds like the, the, the initial theft of the money that was supposed to go to social services in the countries that we're talking about, that's illegal. But then it isn't the moving of the money and the stashing it in safe havens dependent on the laws that exist in that country? Like, isn't that part of the, the, the scheme legal? Well, what, you know, when we talk about what is legal in autocratic <laughs> countries, dictatorships, right, fair, fair. Uh, mm -hmm. yep. all that means is the dictator runs the law. Yep. So whatever the, you know, you were mentioning in your earlier segment, Donald Trump. I don't want to get into a long discussion about Donald Trump, oh, but good. if Donald Trump had his way, <laughs> yes. he would be above the law. Of course. And, and so whatever he decided to do in his mind, and if he had the power, it would be legal. So that is what happens in all these dictatorships. There is one set of laws for the people and a totally different set of laws, basically, in reality, for the people at the very top of the political pyramid. But it is illegal under US law, under British law, for example, uh, to accept money that has been stolen. That's fundamental. It is illegal for an American company to bribe a foreign government official in order to get a contract. We have laws about that. The question is, why aren't we enforcing those laws absolutely ruthlessly? We can do that. We if we are willing to spend the money on law enforcement and at the same time get better laws in place, and more determination, political will to do something, then I think we could make a huge difference because if we can hit the dictators in their wallets, it hurts. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things I think a lot about is how to undo what's clearly sort of a system that is running, it's like a runaway train. <laughs> um, and we're like, come back. <laughs> we're trying to stop the train. Um, because I feel like, you know, they have elections in Russia. You know, I think people people have a misunderstanding of what we mean when we say uh, we're descending into authoritarianism. They have elections in Russia. They don't matter, but they have them, right? I, I mean, think, you show up, everybody stands on the line, and they, they cast their ballots. But it's not – it's we, we have sort of the, uh, you know, the things that look like a democracy. An election, people vote, but then it doesn't yeah, matter. But But, you know – I think it's, we have a terribly flawed democracy here in the US today, but we do have, we still allow journalists to investigate. We do have freedom of the press. You and I are talking right now. Yep. We have yep. freedom of speech. You don't have that in China. You don't yep. have that in Iran. You don't have that in Russia. You don't have it in Belarus. And I could go on and on. And the curtailment of basic civil rights, the curtailment of basic freedoms 
is what really differentiates us uh, and these autocratic countries. And we have to understand that these, the leaders of these countries have huge geopolitical ambitions. Right now, Putin's army is on the border of Ukraine and threatening that country that is striving to build a more open society and a democracy. Right now, the Chinese are the largest single creditors, lenders to most of the countries of Africa. And they are tightening the screws with their loan deals, which gives them more and more influence in those countries. So this is real politics. How does it affect the ordinary person here? Because many people ask that. They say, oh, this, you know, this book of yours, it's, it's all about the global this, global that, but how, does, how are we affected? If you look at real estate prices in some of the major cities in this country, you will find that they've gone sky high, even mm-hmm. though so many of the condos, so many of the houses are empty and nobody knows who even owns them. Right. And the truth of the matter is, that much of this stolen kleptocratic wealth goes into real estate. And it has pushed up prices enormously in Miami, in Manhattan, in London, in Vancouver, uh, in Los Angeles. And people who are residents of those cities, they feel it. They're finding it harder and harder to find a decent home. Meanwhile, much of this stolen money is parked in these uh, condos and these houses and commercial buildings as well. And they're empty because the owners of these may be sitting in the Kremlin or they may be sitting in Beijing and they just are using those uh, those properties to park their stolen cash. And we're helping them. Even if we couldn't feel it on our shores, though, I think the fact that we're living through this pandemic should, I mean, I know that this is asking a lot of, of America, but we should be able to see that the the health and security of other countries does affect us. You, we're, we're, we're now, I mean, if we're, if we're talking about money being taken out of countries that need it for social services, those are things like vaccine delivery systems. Like that's, you know, the, the klepto, kleptocracies are one of the reasons why we are having such a hard time vaccinating the rest of the world because the money that is supposed to go to these things simply gets diverted elsewhere. And if a country can't be fiscally solvent, that has an effect on the rest of the world. The uh, unrest in any country has an effect on the rest of the world. So it, it shouldn't even have to be happening on, like it shouldn't even have to be about LA or New York house prices. It, it should be about, <laughs> look, when, 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 a bunch, when a country is getting stolen from, those people don't get what they need. When those people don't get what they need, there is unrest that spills across their borders, either in public health or violent settings. Absolutely. And let me just add, if I may, just a word about the impact of COVID mm-hmm. uh, at two levels. First of all, the pandemic has allowed many authoritarian countries, I'm thinking of Hungary, I'm thinking of uh, parts of of Central and Eastern Europe. It has allowed the leaders there to say, hey, we have an emergency. We have to curb the press. We have to curb civil society. We have to lock down 
in ways that basically add to their political power. At the same time, in some of these countries, they have ended any form of transparency when it comes to the distribution of PPE and vaccines. So we don't even know where it goes. Now, at a micro level, the organization that uh, I run, which is called the Partnership for Transparency Fund, we support civil society groups in many countries to try to monitor what is happening uh, on the ground to see that the poor get the services that they should get. And we have several projects directly related to vaccines and COVID in Argentina, in Uganda, in Zambia, in Ghana, in India. And we are finding exactly what you say. So much of the money for this activity, so much of the distribution has gone very, very wrong. We are doing a project in the tiny country of Moldova that last year had $54 million allocated for special health services related to COVID. And as far as the local civil society can tell, 29 million of that 54 million has gone missing. Oh my God. So wow. You are absolutely right. This is, is a huge crisis in itself. Oh my God. <laughs> so, so what where do the, we do? Where'd the money go? Who How do we get out of it? Uh, <laughs> oh, two questions. <laughs> I, I, I have, I have, uh, spent a very large amount of time over the last 30 years trying to work with others to build civil society organizations in many countries to expose corruption, to monitor government services, because I believe that citizens groups, citizen engagement is absolutely the key. And we are trying very hard all the time to get uh, Western governments, foundations to be supportive of this initiative but it's very very hard and the successes that we have had in this area have come from the incredible personal courage of civil society leaders in many countries some of them have been jailed uh, in one particular case of somebody in an organization i helped to create was murdered um, journalists are jailed uh, we need the voices of the people to speak up. We need to help them to organize um, and give them the tools to help organize because it is going to be up to citizens to make a difference in their countries, not some external agent like USAID or the US military. It's citizen power in these countries that is going to make the difference. Uh, we could tell encouraging stories but the fact of the matter is that the situation right now in many, many countries is very, very dire indeed. And it's therefore outrageous that our financial institutions are working with those dictators and our governments are not stopping this kind of money laundering that is going on. Hmm. Well, we have a lot to think about. Uh, hopefully the, uh, the Pandora papers that were published by the Washington Post you know, detailing exactly how kleptocrats go around hiding their wealth is going to be something that that mobilizes the citizenry in the way that that you're describing needs to happen to get us out of this mess. But if you want to learn more, the book is The Enablers. Frank Vogel, thank you so much for this conversation. We're going to be thinking about it all weekend. 
Well, thank you very much indeed. And President Biden has a summit on this very subject in three weeks' time. Who knows? Maybe he'll make a difference. So thank you. All right. All right. We have, we, now we have a reason to watch that. Thank you so much, Frank. Please stay safe. We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening.